Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. That's outstanding music this morning. Almost made me want to get up here and dance, you know. I used to go to the dance halls and music wasn't that good. And we danced uh, all night long. Amen. Well, it's good to be here this morning. How many is happy today? How many has got something to be thankful for? We welcome the visitors in this morning and uh, from the Boo Hill and different places. So we make you welcome those in Canada. We welcome them into the service. I think they're also having lunch today in correspondence with us, celebrating our Thanksgiving. But I don't think theirs comes to another date. Amen. So, all right. I'm just looking at my notes, see if I need to make an announcement. I usually don't make announcements, but... Uh, we have a meal afterward, and we invite everybody to come so we'll get to visit with everybody. So I hope we enjoy our new process back there, and I'm sure it will work out real nice. If we don't, we'll adjust it and change it. Is it warm? Last week was freezing death, and this warm, this morning, this morning we're fixing to burn up. Amen. Well, you, somebody's already punched it on cool, so... There you go. All you middle-aged sisters having fans in your hand, you know what I mean? That's all right. Now then, we'll take care of that. Now, if you start shivering before it's over, well, then you just have to wait until it's over. Amen. All right. We have been for quite some time on a series. Actually, this is number four on this subject. That we absolutely, uh, we labeled it the Word Made Flesh. The Word made flesh. We've got just a little something. Daniel, see if you can help me out a little bit. I don't know whether some mic's up here or what it is, maybe. The Word made flesh. Every one of us is actually, in this hour, a part of this Bible, or the written Word made flesh. You and I are fulfilling the Word of God. And we need to recognize our part of the Scripture and the time that we're living in, that we may know what is expected of us and what we can expect from God and what we should be doing and what we should be looking forward to and what our confession of faith actually is. So I got another something ringing on me. So I wanted to look at this subject and we continue on. We usually spend our time in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 where we speak about uh, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we finish the rest of that chapter and then we stop but you must realize that 1st Thessalonians and 2nd Thessalonians are letters written by the Apostle Paul speaking of this end time and his subject would be what we call the rapture of which he called the catching away or the being caught up into another dimension Catching away. We call it rapture. That's an old term that we use. But the actually definition is to be caught up or to be swept up into the presence of the Lord. Rapture is an easy word. Most people uh, know what that word represents. And it actually represents a few people being caught up off of the earth without dying uh, because of the condition. And so we want to look at that this morning and uh, title this little message here. We're going to look at the thief in the night. I guess that stuck out to me because of the thief. I hadn't forgotten my icebox stove and 
microwave yet. I'm still looking for my return. I, I, did, I did discount the products being used. So I didn't charge the devil as much as I thought I would. But I had to get it all balanced out anyway. Thief in the night. Most sermons that I have looked at or heard preached on this subject always refers to it as the rapture. The rapture will come as a thief in the night. Nobody will know when it comes. You'll be walking along, gone somewhere here, gone. You miss a friend, gone, boom, and it's gone. But on a closer look, it is dealing with the rapture, but is not specially speaking of the Lord Jesus himself coming as a thief. So anytime I put in your notes, anytime you refer to this thief as the Lord, always remember to place it as he comes to steal his bride away out of this filth. That's the only way that you can use and refer to the bridegroom as a thief. And it's not used in that context, so we, that's what we want to look at. I want to start out first with two quotes from the prophet. And the message, Desperations. And the message, Desperations, was preached after the token, uh, which Brother Bram said that was the only sermon that he had out of order. He should have preached the token immediately after the seals and then desperations and then went on. But he preached the token and then desperations. The only one he said he had out of order was the token. And he refers to the token in this next sermon. And we want to look at this statement he made. He says, I truly believe that we're on the verge of one of the most mightiest things that ever struck the earth since the days of the Lord Jesus. Now that could only be two things. That could either be the second coming of Jesus or the day of the Lord, speaking of the great tribulation and the destruction of the earth. So look, let's see what he is talking about. But now we can only, uh, now we can only be known or it can only be known. It'll be so humble. He kind of mumbles, jumbles it up there a little bit. He said, no, watch. It'll be so humble, what man calls mighty, God calls abomination. But what man calls foolish, God calls mighty. So now watch it. See, it'll be so humble that you will miss it if you're, uh, if you, actually, if you don't have the token there to examine it, you see. Remember now, the message of token, he always referred to the token as life, and life is God. So what he's telling me now, after all these years of study, if the token or the God himself is not there to examine what's going on, and to examine it, you would have to have the book open. To be able to examine you have to have an open book. That would miss it because basically it is invisible, or it would be the Holy Ghost himself coming to do something among us. In other words... Unless you recognize the presence, God himself being here, which is Revelation 10, 1, which is the first part of the seventh seal, you will not be able to examine what's going on among us. The sta statement he makes on at the end of the sermon now, he makes the statement, now, you can't be desperate. He goes through a lot of them, illustrations of desperation. And at the end of this message, he said, you can't be desperate till God speaks to you. For God to speak to us, he would have to be present and speak to us through a prophet because that's the only way that God will speak to us 
is surely the Lord God will do nothing until he reveals his secret to his servant, the prophets. So a prophet is very essential in understanding the Bible and understanding the day in which you live. Now, we're always warned against false prophets, warned false prophets, warned, watch out, watch out, watch out. But unless there's a true prophet, there cannot be a false one. So there's promised a true prophet that God will use to let his children, his very elected, in on something that we call light, that we can escape something or have a way out. Because remember, he said, all flesh will not be destroyed. And all flesh means the children or his own children will be destroyed. That he will deliver. And there will come a time now in God's calendar to where there will be some left alive. And for him to continue on, he'll just have to take them out of the way for him to fulfill his word to Israel and finish it up. So we live in this span of time here. It's very unusual. And we can go through a lot of illustrations. And we'll just start thinking as we go through this study, I'm sure... I will adjust mine and hopefully you'll adjust yours because until you study something and meditate on it, the picture won't come together completely. So we may have to adjust ourselves. Uh, David, do you have the picture now? I want to uh, put this up as we look at this because I want this to illustrate what we're looking at. Most of you are familiar with this cloud that's taken over Arizona. It's, churches have split over it. They've argued on it. You go online and debated on it. It's false, whatever more. Every theory in the world. But Brother Brown said it was the judge coming, seven angels coming to reveal the seven seals. And he said it was a sign of the coming and he would come as the judge. Okay, now keep this cloud in mind. He come now as the judge, the wig one. Seven angels making up the wig. If he comes as a judge, he's coming to what? To judge. Keep, all right, keep that in mind. He said, you can't get desperate till God speaks to you. Church, rise and shake yourself. Pinch your conscience. Wake yourself up. In this hour, say, we must be desperate or perish. Desperation, he explained, as seeing what is going to happen and doing whatever was necessary to be a part of it. In other words, like the woman or son uh, died and basically she was willing to do anything, run to the prophet, whatever more. She'd done everything that was necessary and she wasn't going to take no for an answer until he come and prayed to deliver her son. So desperation is actually seeing something and keeping your attention on it until it's actually fulfilled in your life. Yeah. All right. So there is coming forth something from the Lord. Now this something here is the question. What is it? Uh, know it as thus saith the Lord. Now, the way that he would know it is thus saith the Lord. He said it wasn't a vision. He knows that as thus saith the Lord. So he has this scriptural evidence or the scripture telling him what's going to take place. This is thus saith the Lord right here. All right. I know it is thus saith the Lord. Or he knows it according to scripture what's going on. There is coming forth something. And we better get desperate. See, it's between life and death. In other words, it's between light and darkness. It's between having the token and not having the token. It's receiving the revelation of the rapture or not receiving the revelation of the rapture. See, It'll pass through us and we won't see it. For something to pass through us and won't see it, it has to be invisible or it has to be spiritual. Because if it passed through us physically, we would see the sign like that. That's, that's physical. We see that. Even though it's spiritual, we see it. He said science took the picture of it. Okay. But if it passed through us and we won't see it, it has to do something spiritual or something that has to be known. I'm going to call it revelation. Yeah. Amen. 
Now remember, Paul said in this hour to pray for the spirit of wisdom revelation that you may have the knowledge of what he's doing in this hour to bring forth the resurrection. There's three great mysteries under the seventh seal which God sent us a prophet to make known to us. And that was, number one, resurrection. Number two, we call the rapture. Number three is immortality. For those three mysteries, for you to have faith in them to be a part of them, they has to cease to be a mystery. So you can't have, a, you can't have faith in a mystery. Mystery is something that's unknown. Hid, but unknown. And to have faith, you must hear it Believe it becomes clear for it to become a faith. So if the seventh seal come to give us the revelation of the resurrection, rapture, and immortality, then there must be an uncovering or an opening of this word to our understanding whereby that we can have faith and understand the resurrection, rapture, and immortality. All right? So it's something that's knowable. It's not something that we hope will happen or appear out here somewhere. It is knowable and we must know it to be a part of it. So it'll pass through us and we won't see it. And I'm going to call that basically the presence or the arrival of the judge. And you'll see that it's absolutely labeled now the day of the Lord. If you pick up the term day of the Lord and we'll look through the Old and New Testament in later studies, which is a, a massive study. Because almost every prophet, old and new, spoke of this event called the day of the Lord. What is it that can change? Now we always speak of times and comings and tribulation, rapture, all these events, millennium, whatever more. So what can change that's invisible to man? And basically they don't know that the changes took place until something physical pops up. Or transpires and usually we become aware of it after it's already over brother Bam said there'll come a time where the tribulation will start in the events will happen and you'll say well I thought there was supposed to be a rapture okay then there was a change of time there was a change of seasons change of events or change of what God was doing our corner turn like brother Bam said that we're unaware of how many knew that uh, there was an age change from the dark ages of Luther? They didn't know that Luther was a change of time. They just thought he was a preacher that was rebelling against the church. How many knew that there was a time change when Wesley came? He began to come and preach sanctification. They thought, well, he's, this is just a legalistic preacher. They didn't know it was a time change that God kind of had a different group of overcomers and a different promise more and more that we went through. How many of us knew when the Laodicean church age started? See, we're living in an age called Laodicea, which is rich and increased with good, blind, naked, and don't even know it. We're in miserable shape. And how many even knows that they're living in Laodicea? When did it start? Did you wake up one morning and say, oh, time's changed. Now we're in the Laodicean age. Everybody's blind and, and naked. No. The last 30 or 40 years, people have been wandering along, wandering along, looking for a rapture, looking for this, we're looking for that, hope she comes, one more, and time just keeps moving right on along. And there has been a scriptural change or an event change. Now, God's already sent a prophet, most people agree with that, especially in the message. 
If Malachi 4 has transpired, I'll send you Elijah the prophet before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Then if that's already transpired, then basically a time has changed from a time period. We're in a time period called the day of the Lord. Okay. You say, well, I thought the day of the Lord was tribulation. It is a part of it. Then you get into the seals. You get into all this to keep up with exactly where we're at. So let's read with me to get in this subject. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. And I put in your notes and we'll get to it. That basically since the Bible was not written in chapters, capital letters, divisions and verses and whatever more. It's all just one continuous read. Man is one that separated chapter 4 from chapter 5. Put verse 1, 4, and more. It's just a continuous letter. Small caps, whatever more. So it's continuous. Man has separated this into chapter 5. As I said before, most people when we study the rapture, we read 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17, 18. We stop right there and go to something else. But Paul continues on his subject to explain to us the rapture. Of which in chapter 4 he says, The Lord descended from heaven with a shout voice and a trump. Okay, that's a time frame. Nehemiah was aware that the Lord had descended from heaven. They're still puzzling over the cloud. That the prophet said that was the coming of the Lord, the judge. Even the message people argue over. So basically as far as understanding, it's not here. So Paul continues on and he says, now watch. The reason I believe now we're looking at this, he said, but the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I run into you. What's going to go right through us and you'll miss it. A certain time and a certain season. When you speak about the day of the Lord, I want you to keep in mind the judge. Because the day of the Lord is destruction, judgment against nations. We can take it all the way through the Bible and we'll look at it. The wrath of God, the wrath of the Lamb, all those things. The vials, the trumpets, and uh, all those plagues and all that ends up into the day of the Lord. That we call the great tribulation or the wrath. But here Paul speaking of the rapture now. He said, you have no need that I write unto you about this, the times and the seasons of what? Chapter 4, where the Lord is going to descend with a shout, voice, and trump, and dead in Christ shall rise, and we shall rise up immediately. No need that I write unto you about that time. Because he knew that we'd be sleeping down through seven church ages. And it would be at the seventh watch when this takes place. So these that are living didn't happen to know about these times that we're living now. This is for us. And actually the book is closed up from this time of Paul all the way down to our time when the book was opened and read that John saw in the book of Revelation. Verse 2. For yourselves know perfectly, now watch, that the day of the Lord. Judgment. The ending of man's day. The ending of a time frame. The day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now to me he is not speaking about Jesus coming here. He's speaking about a day of the Lord comes. That will pass right through the people. It'll be spiritual. It'll be invisible. It's a season change. A cycle. Remember the rapture is cycle of three. A shout, a message, which has been going on for 50-something years now. There's the voice of the archangel, which the next thing is the resurrection. Then there's the trump of God, which is the catching away that absolutely must be caught away because the day of the Lord moves into the tribulation period under the sixth seal for the final destruction of mankind. 
I know it's going to be controversial, but we'll see under, in this study, Brother Brian blended up, that actually we're also under a part of the sixth seal. Now, don't, don't grab your shoulders and whatever more. The earthquake hadn't happened yet, da-da-da-da-da. The earthquake has happened as far as we're concerned, but when Alaska almost sunk in 1964. All scriptures fulfill whether we recognize it or not. For when they, say, when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Now, who is the they? Has to be someone outside of the token. Has to be someone outside of the light. Has to be someone, according to this age, someone that has bought of him gold tried in the fire and got their raiments. They've got a revelation of the rapture. Now, as we said before, the rapture was a doctrine, was a revelation, and that was one of the last messages Brother Brown preached. And no one outside the very elect will understand the process of the rapture. Because they refuse to accept how God does it. God always does things by and through a prophet. So therefore, when you have a hard time accepting a prophet, then you have a hard time hearing from God. See, it's not selling you a man. It's selling you a way that God communicates with you. How he does things. All right. So he, there's a group of people here, and I believe he's talking to the church and the unbeliever. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. Hmm. If the last church age is totally blacked out according to the visions, and this age is in total darkness, gross darkness covers the earth, in the message Shalom, then how are we not in darkness? We must have some kind of light. We must have some kind of revelation or understanding that separates me from this uh, closed mind out here that doesn't understand. See? But ye are not in darkness, watch, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Now don't set in your mind that that day is basically when we fly out of here and all of a sudden, boom, judgment starts in. Because there's a squeeze, there's persecution. This doesn't, we don't just float around a real easy bed one morning and all of a sudden, boom, trouble hits all over the world. It's slowly, 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 slowly. The reason why we think we're not in tribulation now is because of where we live. If you lived outside of America and all these other countries, Venezuela, China, Iran, Iraq, 90% of the world is killing each other, war, rumor of war, starvation, pestilence, disease. They live in rock, rubble. They, I mean, it, it, it's absolutely chaotic out there outside of basically this little peace and safety called America. Why do you think everybody's trying to run here? For the economy? Why the economy? If the rest of the world was prosperous, why would they run here? Judgments. It's creeping in, creeping in around the world. The pestilence there. Look at how many thousands of people die every year from addictions. How many hundreds of thousands dies by auto accident, cancer, diseases. Lots more than war. We lost two or three 
uh, maybe a thousand soldiers the last four or five or ten years. We think that's a vast amount of people. But they don't tell you how many of our troops killed. Hundreds of thousands. And when you talk about hundreds of thousands of people, that's a lot of people. It's a lot of bloodshed and a lot of trouble. But the Bible says you are, you are all the children of light. Now we know that light speaks of being a part of the Logos or word. Because remember in the beginning there was light. But God didn't create the sun or what we call natural light until what? The third or fourth day. So that light is basically the Logos or the light. And we call and we always put up a picture a lot of times of that light. And it was the same light that basically appeared in the beginning called the Logos of God, called the Holy Spirit or the Son of God, in which God created all things in and by. A light. That light is the first thing that appeared in total darkness that represented God. Let there be light. And the Son of God was birthed forth himself, a son, and here you have light. Now, we are children of the light. In other words, we are a part of that light. There's a part in us called a soul that is light, which is life, which is eternal, which is called an attribute or a gene of God, making you the children of the Logos, or children of the Word, or children of the light. All right. We are children of the light. Therefore, we have a special, let's call it a covenant, or relationship with this pillar of fire that is God himself. Now, as a good heavenly father, he made certain promises, but also certain trials that we have to overcome. We understand that. But Paul is speaking here about all the way over here into this hour that we, as children of light, ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. Now, remember, we'll get to that in a few minutes. What day are you the children of? And I'll put a question in your notes, and I may repeat it as we go through the notes. Are you children of the day, or are you children of the Lord's day? Because there's two different time periods called the day. All right. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night, but let us who are of the day. Now, again, he brings up the day. Remember through your scriptures of Luke and Matthew, uh, in, in the day when the Son of Man is revealed, in the days of Noah, in the days of Lot. And in the day when the Son of Man is revealed, speaking of a specific time from the days to the day. I believe that we're living in a day that is very unique because if we are also in the sixth seal portion, and we are, then there has to be something from the seventh dimension to come to deliver us or we're going to be destroyed. I got into that last week to your notes, okay? So someone has to come out of the seventh dimension down here. That is also invisible because they only reign in this fourth dimension. You can't see it unless he allows this picture to be taken, of which we showed you a picture of it a few minutes, a light. Now the Bible calls that one that comes down here, uh, the one that was sitting on the throne who had the book in his hand now opened by Jesus. This one comes down to Revelation 10, one is God. Now that coming, that one that come will come and you will not see him. 
unless you recognize a prophet's telling you that he is here. My minister declared to you that he is here. What if you never hear that prophet tell you that he's here and vindicate the presence to prove to you that he is here? You'd be unaware of it. And how would you live your life? Just it wouldn't be in your mind. You just wish your problems, make your living, da da da, whatever more, getting older and this morning, you, you wouldn't think nothing about it. So there wouldn't be any desperation in your mind of recognizing what's going on out here that you have to escape out of here without dying or something is going to take us out of here by way of destruction. And it's very shortly. So this invisible one I call the presence of God or God himself coming down, the brother Brown called the token, which was a light, which he said, my ministry tell you that he's here. All right, then something showed up, something arrived that was invisible to the world and basically still hid from 99% of the people. Now that one that he said it was here that healed the sick and whatever more people crowded around for thousands to see the effects of that presence. He said that that presence would not leave us Say amen. Praise God. He would not leave us until he takes us with him to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So there is a supernatural light here that is very aware of you. He's very aware of the time because he's the one that's running the show. Only he knows when he said, I've had enough and I got every one of mine in. I've allowed every one of the seed, the elect to hear and the very elect to hear. Now I'm going to take out the very elect that basically heard it and received it. But I'm going to leave the elect here because their eyes was veiled and they make up another part of his plan. All right. Verse 8. But let us who are of the day. Now we want to find out. I believe he's speaking to us as believers. Us as children of light. Us as a part of the word. We are the word made flesh. Our soul come from God. It is eternal. It never was in sin, never was lost, period. Your natural birth may cause you that you're a scoundrel living life and all this bad things you do and you can't overcome. That one is a liar. This one down here never sinned in the first place. And if I can get the good news of the gospel in contact with a soul that comes from God, I'm going to see a result of it. <laughs> and the great result will be internally because you can't prove to anybody. You can talk to them. They may not believe you. But there will be a light or a switch turn on in you to let you recognize who you are. Let you know that you're children of the light. Let you understand that you are the children of Abraham ordained for this hour. And you are absolutely ordained to miss the wrath of God. I think it's in this scripture here that we'll just read. Watch. Let us who are of the day. Now we want to find out what day that is. Be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith. Remember the whole armor of God we looked at last week was the sevenfold revelation of Jesus Christ. And for in a helmet, the hope of salvation. Notice, for God hath not appointed us to wrath. All right, now wrath speaks of the day of the Lord that speaks of judgment. Let's call that the sixth seal. Because the sixth seal is basically the end time judgment period. It's hard to explain that. I could if I had a, need a chart up here to show the, the time frame. For God has not appointed us to wrath. Now that's the sixth seal or the judgment of the sixth seal. The last three and a half years. 
but to obtain salvation. Now that's deliverance by the rapture that he got through speaking of in chapter 4 up here. Remember, this is not just a separate subject. It's all one subject. For God has not appointed us to wrath. Because we know before that time the Lord will descend from heaven with a message. To give us a revelation of the hour of resurrection and rapture. To be caught away. We shall be gathered together with those asleep. Be caught up that we won't be a part of this wrath right here. So you're going to find out one of the main reasons for the rapture is the day of the Lord. The necessity of the rapture is the day of God, which means what? Judgment. God is going to cleanse the earth. And he's going to take his off of it, cleanse it, and then bring them back. And we'll see that as we unfold here. Who died for us and uh, that whether we wake or sleep. That means we're alive or uh, in the grave. We should live together with him. All right. Second Peter 3.10. We'll read this scripture. Peter says now. Which he also talks about. In First and Second Peter. He also talks about the rapture. And the second coming of Christ. And Peter says. But the day of the Lord. Now both of them are talking about a certain day. The day of the Lord will come as a thief. Now, what's going to come as a thief? A day, a time period, some event. It's not going to be visible. It's going to be invisible. It's going to pass right through everyone that is not elected. I'll put it like this. That does not have a soul that picks up or alerted to the presence of God to hear what he's saying. Now, everybody say, oh, you need to go to church, you need to go to church, you need to go to church. The only reason you need to go to church is if you're elect or elected to hear what God is doing for you. Churches are full of people that never hear God. It will be destroyed, called the church. It's never been born again, never heard the true word of God, don't know God from nothing. They're worshiping the devil, thinking they're worshiping God. That's, ex that's exactly what the Bible teaches. But the day of the Lord shall come as a thief. Now, what's going to come as a thief? The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord, remember, is the judge or judgment. Now, when did the wig one show up? And the prophet said, the judge is here. 1963. I'm going to put it in that year frame, that time frame. So in 1963, seven angels appeared. The wig one shows up. A prophet said that was the coming of the Lord. But it wasn't the coming of the Lord. The Lord said unto my Lord. It was the coming of the Lord that said unto my Lord. It was Revelation 10.1. God himself who had the open book in his hand. We're reading Revelation 10.1 in a few minutes. And what did that angel say when he come down with the open book? Lifted up his hand and said time shall be no longer delayed. What time is that? Because you say, well, we've been going on. Nothing's changed. Same as it's always been. Remember, Peter, scoffers will come. Say, where is the proof of Christ? Da, 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 da. And nothing changes. And here we're going. But this angel said when he come down with the open book that time shall be no longer delayed. What time was he speaking about? Because uh, Shirley said time shall no longer be delayed. It went into another time frame. Move into something else. Peter says here, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Okay. 
It's going to come without observation. It's going to come and most people won't know it's here. And when you see the sign of it to come in the cloud, you'll argue about it. And then basically in this time shall be no longer delayed. But in this other time now that this one is here. In the, hev- in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Sounds just like all the Old Testament prophecies of atomic fire. I think it's over in Zephaniah or one of those older where the faces of the man will be as flames and what are more as a result of an atomic bomb. And we'll get to those scriptures in another study. Watch. In Revelation 1.10 though we also find another statement that it said I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now I think we went through this several months back on the day of the Lord and the Lord's day, trying to separate both. But we'll refresh that because this is necessary for us to understand what Paul is speaking of, the rapture. There is a difference between the day of the Lord and the reference here to the Lord's day. Now, what is that difference? The Lord's day in Revelation 1.10 is a period of time that absolutely separates, stops the time of man and starts the time where the Lord will rule for a thousand years. In other words, there's a time when the Bible said that Jesus will come out and walk out on the ash of the wicked. He will set up his throne and that begins a thousand year reign called the millennium. That reign, that period of time is called the Lord's day. In other words, the Lord will rule. He's reigning on earth. He repeats what Adam lost. It separates now. Man's day has ruled for 6,000 years. It's been man's day or what Brother Brown called Satan's Eden. But there comes a time when the man's day is over. And we move into a transition. And then God sets up his kingdom here on earth called the Lord's day. Now the day of the Lord then is a period of time that is right between we call it the sixth seal, really, where the Lord's day begins. He brings out a message. He brings out an elect. He does all these things, open the seal, all that, to deliver a children out of the day of the Lord. That the day of the Lord can be finished up in judgment, tribulation, destruction. Then we come back down in the Lord's day to rule and reign a thousand years. So when he said that we're children of the day, we're not children of the day of the Lord. We're children of the Lord's day. How many can understand? We're children of that millennial reign. So we're children of the light, children of the day. The day would be the Lord's day or the millennial reign whereby the rapture now has caught us up out of the day of the Lord judgment and brings us back with him to begin the Lord's day. I know that sounds like a jumble up but it's it's all right so brother man said the six thousand years we've had satan's eden where he has fashioned man and brought him to this point in time and then we know that god will have his time that's what brother man said in satan's eden now he said it's time for the lord's day to begin which will be one thousand years which is the millennium 
which the prophet also called the honeymoon or the getting acquainted period of the bride and the bridegroom. I like that. Get acquainted with. I thought we already got acquainted with. No, we, we got, hadn't been acquainted with the Lord Jesus in his physical form, which will be the incarnated God. We know that. So we notice now that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. So the day of the Lord speaks of tribulation and judgment comes with the judge. Now we know the judge is the Father or God himself. So as Paul said, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a message, warning then judgment, okay? So if you look now, uh, go to get another scripture in 2 Peter 3.10. What I'm trying to bring out, when the judge comes, the day of the Lord begins. So actually we're in a time period called the day of the Lord that is already ushered in the sixth seal. We are under the judgment. All seven seals are open. See, the book is open. People say, well, the sixth seal is closed. The sixth seal is open. He said, when was the sixth seal open? How many remembers the earthquake in 1964 when uh, all the West Coast like they dropped off in the open and shook the whole world out of the war? Brother, that's the opening of the sixth seal. He said, but the sixth seal was going to open with a great earthquake. It did. It did. Oh, yeah, but we're still here. <laughs> I understand that. But the sixth seal starts in right along with the fourth seal. And we run right on through here until total destruction comes out. Because now the seventh seal gives us revelation to take us on through the judgment. On over into the millennium. Over into New Jerusalem the eighth day. So you're actually children of the seventh seal. Or children of the light. Or children of the day. Amen. Amen. will agree with me on that. Alright. 2 Peter 3.10 tells us. But the day of the Lord, now I'm going to call out the judge. The day of the Lord has to start with the judge coming. Cause everything under a trial. The judge is here to, for a trial. Brother Van preached the trial five times. He preached the indictment of this generation for second crucifixion of the Word of God. Warning then judgment. All these things have transpired. And like he said, it will go right through you and you will not ever even know it. Nobody's been alerted or alarmed. Nobody is uh, waiting with anticipation. Because why? It didn't make us desperate. It didn't affect us physically. See? It didn't affect us in such a way that would alarm us of what was going on. But remember, if you don't catch the revelation as it goes through, then you'll be void of it. And when God does things, you won't even know what's taking place. And the people will be gone that does grasp it. They will be gone and you won't have a clue what's going on. You'll be left here. Now let us give us a little small warning. Thanksgiving this morning. We're not going to be left because we are children of the day. But if you are left, it's going to be horrible. And that's not trying to scare you into church. Because scaring you into church won't keep you out of the tribulation. A revelation is the only thing that will keep you out. You've got to understand who you are and what's going on. And be a part of it. Watch. But the day of the Lord will, will come as a thief in the night. In the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. Well, the heavens hadn't passed away. Well, it's a part of. Just like the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, a voice, and archangel, and so on and so on. It's a progression now of a time period. 
We're actually in the day of the Lord. We're under the judge. The judge is here. The judge has already passed judgment on his elect. You have already passed before the beam of Christ. Because why? The prophet said in, uh, I believe it's invisible union. You stand in the presence of the judge and he finds you not guilty. Now if that doesn't make you happy and something jump inside of you, uh, then there's nothing there really. You're not guilty. There's no sin laid to your charge. Come on now, that's something, to, that's, worth, that's worth having Thanksgiving over right there. There's no sin laid to your charge. Why? Because you're sitting under the presence of the light. Praise be to God. You're the sinless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. He's already clothed you in his own righteousness. You're now ready for the marriage process to meet the groom. I always notice in our weddings, we always honor the bride. Bride comes down, everybody claps the bride, takes a picture of the bride. She's the main object. But you know, in this one right here, the bride is not the main object. <laughs> the groom is the main object. Here comes the groom, glory to God. The groom and his bride. All the tension is upon the groom. That's all right. We kind of mess up everything. We, we, bur we turned everything around. And it's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. But everything is about the groom. Now watch. In which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works therein shall be burned up. As we said, speaking of the atomic bomb. Revelation 3, 3. Therefore, uh, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. Here he said, I will come on thee as a thief. Who come at the opening of the seventh seal? Revelation 10, 1. God himself descended from heaven with a message that he was here. And thou, shalt not, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Most people do not have a clue that they've already passed before the judgment seat of Christ. And the prophet indicted this generation for the second crucifixion of the word of God. They go to church, they worship God, they pay their tithes, they're good people. But they're not children of the light. They do not understand what has transpired in our hour. Watch Revelation 16, 15. It says, Behold, I come as a thief. That's Revelation 10, 1. Revelation 10, 1 was 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Blessed is he that watches. What watch? The seventh watch. And keepeth his garments. Lest he walk naked. And they see his shame. Who is he talking about? Laodicea. Who was lukewarm. Naked. And the Bible said. Bow me gold tried in the fire. That you will have white raiment. So he's talking about this generation. He's going to come. And he's going to catch everybody unaware. He's going to go right through the middle of them. They won't catch it except those that hear the knock at the door and come out to see the Word of God. Amen. What the world calls humble, we call mighty. To the overcomer, the day of the Lord will not overtake us as a thief. The day of the Lord will not overtake us as a thief. Therefore, we would, must absolutely receive a knowledge 
We have to receive something. We have to receive an understanding or a light. Something has to open our minds, our souls to what God is doing. Now we know it takes the Holy Spirit to do that because a preacher, teacher, colleague, that can't do it. Only the Holy Spirit can open your mind and heart to see the Word of God with the eyes already applied that you can see clearly the Word of God. You go online and pull up the rapture. You'll have 10,000 theories of what it's all about. You pull up uh, the tribulation. You'll have it seven years in the middle, two and a half years, one over yonder. The, the church world knows nothing about what God is doing. You say, well, they have college degrees. They're doctor so-and-so. That just makes them blinder than ever. You and I just simply understanding and receiving and recognizing how God does things. And basically humbly and in humility say, I don't see nothing else working. This must be right because it's the only thing that sounds good to me. And God opens our understanding that we can understand in simple terms more than any theologians in the world understands by their 15 years of college degrees. How many would look at us this morning, James River, all these big churches around the world, and look at us and say, what's that group down there on the hill in a tin building? My God, what's going on down there? A bunch of them hillbillies down there thinking so. We don't have any lawyers, we don't have any doctors, we don't have any... Humble. God looks down there and he, we should have put aside the rapture is taking place here. That's what we should put out. The rapture is taking place right here. So the problem with man is we study. Now watch real carefully. I've only got 50 more minutes. We'll close. The problem with man is when they study now. Every theologian that I read, and I read a lot of them. Is always trying to put everything in an order, chronological order. Dot, 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 dot. So we can all be, I can run today because I don't have, I can wait till tomorrow and get ready. But the Bible doesn't run things in chronological order. So when they got it figured out, whether well, it's three and a half years, then when the rapture takes place, and three and a half more, then another rapture, and so on, and then the two and a half more, and then that's just man's brain gone crazy. To start with, every writer will try to explain to you seven-year tribulation period. Then pre-rapture, mid-rapture, after-rapture, no-rapture, after-millennium rapture, da-da-da. There's only three and one-half years, 1,260 days called the tribulation period or the wrath of God. Period. So as soon as this bride goes up and those two prophets walk out on the land over there to call out 144,000... You can mark 1,260 days and you'll see us coming back on white horses to destroy the rest of them. You can set your clock on it. So the problem that we have is basically we always try to put these time frames or these seasons or times. Like they wrote a book, uh, Israel back in the nation, 1946, 48. So and so and one more set the time Jesus will be here and so and so. I all miss it. They tried to actually absolutely miss this period called the day of the Lord. There's pages and pages and encyclopedias, everything trying to explain this day of the Lord. Hundreds of scriptures on it. The most important event to open our understanding to the spiritual event that we're looking at 
actually takes place and can only take place when Jesus in Revelation comes and takes the book out of the hand that was on the throne, which is God himself, and he is the judge now. He has to take that book and he has to, what we call, break or open, loose the seven seals thereof. Because it's sealed with seven seals. When the seals was loose thereof, the one on the throne, the Bible said, God himself, he comes down here to earth. Which would be absolutely, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a message or a shout. Now remember Revelation 10, 7, which is in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, that seventh angel, which is a prophet, must be on earth at the time that this one comes down with the open book. Because it will take a prophet to be able to read the book. Blessed is he that readeth the book and he that heareth the book read. He's the only one that can read the book. All right, the book would have to be read for us to know what was in it. I couldn't read it. You can't read it. We can hardly read what's already written down. If you're not careful, all this symbolism, thunders, stones, rainbows, angels, all that symbolism, stars, everything else. Not very many people understand what that is. I read grass after grass of people trying to understand, oh, this is it. And they're so far off that it's unbelievable. So this seventh angel must be on earth when God himself come down. The judge, this wig one that we showed you, the cloud, he, this one has to be here to be able to read the book because if he can't read it, the book is still closed up. The book is only open when someone reads it Pulls the veil off of it and lets you know what's in here. And in this book is the mystery or the secret to the resurrection, the rapture, and immortality. That's what this book was all about. So in Revelation 10, 1 to 6, we wrote it down here. A mighty angel comes down from heaven, clothed with the cloud, a rainbow on his head. His face was as it was the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. He had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth. Now, that is both on Protestantism and Catholicism. That's what it represents. Cry with a loud voice. What's a loud voice? The Lord descended from heaven with a shout. Loud voice. As when a lion roareth, and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. Isn't it amazing? When the cloud come, the seven angels said, go to Jeffersonville. Because the revelation of the seven seals, which is seven thunders, will be revealed to you. We're talking about past tense now. All right, there had to be a time started. The day of the Lord has started. When the judge comes, the open book comes, and someone's got to read it. Now, when the book is read, he can move to a different time frame. And we slowly move through this cycle for us in the time frame. Now, our time frame, our part in it is over. So he has to take us out of here to the marriage supper that he can finish it up to the Jews and destroy it like he said he was going to do. So it is absolutely necessary for the rapture to take place because we're still alive. We got a promise that we're not going to die. Okay, natural to death. 
And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up those things with the seven thunders uttered, write them not. All right, when he didn't write down what he heard, it's sealed up to you. You don't have a clue what it said. And the angel which I saw upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven. Now this is the Lord that was on the throne. This is the one that's got the open book in his hand. And he swore by him to live forever, who created heavens. And notice that there should be time no longer delayed. In other words, the time for man, the 6,000 years of man, has run out. Time now is not going to be no longer delayed like the grace of God keeps moving, moving, moving for us. He's not going to delay time no longer a man. Now then he's going to set up another time frame, which is called the day of the Lord or judgment sets in. So when the judge comes with the open book, the seventh seal mystery of the seven thunders is what makes us the children of the day and give us a revelation of the rapture so that we'll understand that we are in the day of the Lord, which is judgment. Amen. And having on uh, the whole armor of God, which is revelation to be as an overcomer. Amen. And now we're standing watching. Amen. We're not setting the world on fire. We're not emptying hospitals. What more? We're clothed, ready for the wedding. And we're already adorned. The bride has made herself ready. Amen. Now we're ready for the announcement. Here comes the bride. Because when Jesus steps off of the throne in the seventh dimension, steps down to the sixth, we rise out of this one, go through the fourth and fifth, and up into the sixth, the marriage supper, then we'll all be together with the Lord, and we'll always be with the Lord. While we're in that dimension with the Lord, somebody's going on something down here in this third dimension called two prophets. And they're figuring, finishing up the day of the Lord, which is judgment, tribulation, and destruction. So keep that in mind. Now watch. So this vision of John we have seen fulfilled in this age. And now by the grace of God we have the open book. We have heard the loud voice. Paul called it a shout. And Brother Bram called it a message of this hour. And we have also by the grace of God the voices of the seven angels called thunders. And today the book was unsealed where John was forbidden to write. Brother Branham was given permission to speak and we understand that the revelation of the seals is was interpreted by the thunder seven angels come down and interpret the the seals and told us what was going on in other words god's grace is not going to prolong man's day any longer thus saith the lord the pentecostal age is over then another time period started. See, we haven't noticed anything changing except the churches are getting deader. Less people are coming to hear the Word of God. What we heard 30 or 40 years ago is beginning to drift off. We say, oh, well, we're not legal no more. You know why? We don't think about it anymore. They don't preach on it anymore. They don't build a crowd no more. The less you preach on anything, the more it fades out. You don't hear that he is here preached anymore. You don't hear anything about the seventh seal, God himself being here, teaching God in you. It's not a preacher, it's not a church, it's God himself, the word that's calling you. 
If you come in this building this morning, you had one purpose to call it. That's the Holy Spirit done something with you, around you, or in you to get you in this building. And remember, all things happen for your good. I was thinking this morning about this vaping. What more is killing these kids? They're taking their lungs out and everything else. It's not smoking anymore. It's vaping. What, more they, what is it? Blowing smoke? I guess that's what it is. We used to preach against TVs, preaching, smoking, whatever more. And remember, I always thought, well, you say that's legal. It's not legal. God will not tell you to cast off anything that is good for you. If, if the prophet said, uh, you better quit smoking, then there's something behind smoking that you don't need or don't want. If he said, sisters, dress morally, then there's something behind the dress, a spirit that's going to cause you harm if you don't listen. It's not a law. It's God keeping you safe, blessed, free from these spirits and everything else. Because the only way for peace and safety is be in the mighty tower or the name of the Lord. His presence is the tower. His name is the tower. And the righteous run therein and are safe. What are we safe from? We're safe from all this stuff and the sugar and smoke and whatever thing they're here to kill us of the devil. We're safe from it. Go back to the dietary laws of the Old Testament. God told them what to eat, not to eat, whatever more. And now they discover what he told them not to eat is what causes all the disease today by what they do eat. It's not the law. God protects his own. Amen. Just like a doctor. You go into the doctor and he said, now, you better quit smoking because your heart's on and so on. You better quit drinking because you did this one blood pressure. Don't do this. Eat this cake because your sugar level is too low. Oh, he's a legalist. That doctor is a legalist. Why do you think he's a legalist? Well, he told me I had to quit smoking. He had told me I couldn't eat ice cream and cake no more. He told me my blood sugar was too low that I couldn't eat this more. He's just a legalist. He told me to put clothes on because the sun is giving me skin cancers and whatever more. Hey, he must be a legalist. God, that's my way of getting around. It's not legalism. It's just listening to the voice of the Lord. For your safety, for your health, for your betterment. You say, well, I can't quit that. I don't want to. You're just struggling with something else. Why don't you just say, yes, Lord. Because if you can't do that little thing now, what are you going to do in the millennium when he's running the whole show? <laughs> he's, going to run, he's going to rule it with a rod of iron. But one good happy thing that I believe, I believe the Lord, it'll, the earth will be full of immortals. Immortals don't have as much problem with things as mortals do. How many believes you're going to be immortal over there? How many believes that you're already potentially and already moving and as an immortal now your soul is immortal? All you're doing is light is now bringing your body subject to the light that you'll have another body to cross each dimension into the presence of God. That's all that's going on. Karen, y'all want to come up? So man's time is no longer going to be delayed. Called man's day. That now we find ourselves in what we call in the day of the Lord. The judge, the wicked one, the wicked one comes forth and manifests his presence, which is already past tense. The time spoken of will be what the prophet called in Patmos' vision, man's day, where he separated from the Garden of Eden all the way over to the judge in this hour. That man's day is no longer in existence. Church age is over, dot, dot, dot. I was in the spirit in the Lord's day. 
And the Lord's day is that thousand years millennial reign of which we will be translated over into it. If we're in the day of the Lord, I know this is continuous, but if we're painting a picture. If we're in the day of the Lord, certain things must have transpired. Now remember to go right through you and you'll miss it if you don't know it. It won't affect your job, it won't affect your thinking, it won't affect unless you're aware of it. The day of the Lord and the Lord's day are two separate times. Now we're in the day of the Lord and we need to be translated out of it over into the Lord's day to miss the destruction that finishes up the day of the Lord. The first order in the time of the day of the Lord is what? Judgment. When judgment comes, it sets a sign of the day of the Lord. Now, what, where you go back to Malachi 4, 1, notice what it says. For behold, the day cometh. Now, what day is that speaking of? The day of the Lord. Judgment. Watch, that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave neither root nor branch. In other words, this atomic war, there's not going to be these mortals here producing babies in the millennium because it's going to leave neither root nor branch. He's going to cleanse it all the way down. You say, well, we have children in the millennium. Some people say, oh, yeah, we're going to repopulate. No. Immortals don't reproduce children. If they do, it won't be by sex. I put it like that. So if you're going to think you're going to go blow yourself up and get 70 virgins, well, then you've been fooled. You don't want to be a Muslim. Then. Here we see the day of the Lord speaks of judgment. Day cometh, what? It's going to burn like an oven. Verse 2, but unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth, grow up as calves of the stall. He says now, this day is coming. Before it does, there's going to be a healing revival come. Son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wing. There's going to come a healing revival that absolutely ushers in William Branham's ministry with the gift of healing to tell the world that the day of the Lord is setting in. This thing didn't go through you without a warning. See, we had a first pull, a gift, discernment, round the world, round the world, round the world, healing revival, attention, gathering attention, 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 to gather you out of the systems, what for? To tell you that the judgment of God is here. The judge is here. My ministry, he said, is to tell you that the judge is here and I'm here warning you before this judgment sets in and totally destroys this earth. A message is going forth to give you the light to escape it. Verse 3. And he shall shed, shed thread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes on the soles of your feet in the day. Now that's the end of the day of the Lord, the great tribulation, the wrath of God that we'll get into and show by Scripture. That I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. In other words, when Revelation 19, and we come back with him on white horses... In Revelation 19, making war with those that are left, there'll be a remnant left. We're going to walk out on the ashes of the wicked that is a result of an atomic disaster. The atomic bombs are going to fall. And they're going to fall all over the world. It's going to be nothing but pockets here and there. And when we come back, we're going to walk out on the ashes of the wicked. And we're going to destroy the remnant that is left. 
And Jesus will set up his throne in Jerusalem. So when Revelation 19 comes forth in the coming of Jesus, we will walk out upon the ashes or the atomic results that are left. This chaos that's on the earth, we will come back as immortals and begin to reorganize and resettle the earth. This is all in a time frame called the day of the Lord. The only way of escape is a revelation by the presence of God that he spoke through a prophet to warn you of this judgment coming. That you can have light or recognize that you are children of God, attributes of the word of God, that you can escape this judgment that's going to come. Because he promised that he would not destroy us with the wicked. He's going to take us out of here. But the church, the foolish virgins, the good church members, good people, talented people. They are going to be here and the church does go through the tribulation. They will absolutely be destroyed. There will not be one Christian left on earth at the end of it. Two prophets will call out and seal in 144,000. They will kill them at the end of the three, three and a half years. There will be a resurrection of those two prophets. The Bible said the world will watch in amazement. There will be another rapture because we'll watch them ascend into the clouds. And those clouds in Revelation 19, which is you and I, riding on white horses will come back to finish up the job that the two prophets started and there's just a little remnant here that's got to be finished up. We come back with a word in our mouth and destroy the rest. You say, man, that makes us warriors and whatever more. Yeah, there's no weak, weak ones in this. There's no jellybacks in this. There's no, none of this little soft finger in this now. This is war. Fire in his eyes. His compassion's gone. Judgment's over. You say, well, it's hard to get convicted anymore. You know why? We're going to find out because the Spirit of God has already moved back to Israel. That's the reason you can go to church, dry-eyed, leave dry-eyed, because there's nothing there except people waiting. And the Spirit of God has moved back over to Israel, preparing the Jews. And all we're doing is waiting for God to nod his head, and we get out of here. Are you ready to go? We'll stop right there, and we'll pick that up next Sunday. Uh, and pick it up and get into the seals and the order of it and the sixth seal. And we'll continue on the subject of the day of the Lord. Not a present subject for those that are going to miss it. But it's an absolutely wonderful revelation to us that are in the light. Let's stand this morning, would you? What are we going to sing? It's going to be worth it all. Huh? It's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. Every pain, every sorrow. And remember, we got a squeezing time. we got a judgment time that you and I will go through. But we understand what's going to transpire because we have a revelation by the presence of God. There's no need for us to be alarmed, no need for us to be fearful. But you must understand and walk in the light as He is in the light and know who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? And the Word of God will plainly bring out to us who we are, what's going on, whereby we can absolutely know the, almost the week or uh, the day, or not maybe the day, but we'll understand the month and the day that we're going to get out of here. It's closing in more and more and more. The politics tells you, the war tells you, the economy tells you. Everything tells you that we're in that time frame of the voice of the resurrection when the dead come out of the grave. They're already here in another dimension with him because God brought them with him here. Their theophany bodies are right there and they got to appear with us, gathering together here in the physical. Then we can be able to see them. And then we'll be changed 
to go with them into another dimension to the marriage supper of the Lamb. How long, Brother Gregory? I don't know. The rapture series is almost over. The rapture process is almost over. The judgments are in the land, have been for years. Is there another time frame? Yep. 1260 days will finish up the sixth seal and the day of the Lord to usher in the Lord's day that we can rule and reign with him for 1,000 years. That's what we're looking at. And Elijah has come and Elijah has went and God has fulfilled his word and is keeping his word and we need to know where we're at, what time it is, and the way of escape. What is the rapture designed for? Number one is to get us out of the day of the Lord. We don't want to proceed all the way through the day of the Lord because there's total destruction at the end of it. And that's called the great wrath of God or the tribulation. We're not ordained to the wrath of God. Church, listen. We're a part of the word of God. So what I'm trying to get across is you must recognize that you are part of the word, what part you are, and then recognize that the word goes with him and get out here. Amen? It's for